News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. On- Let's uh, turn now to uh, the expectation for Budget 2023 in terms of easing finances for those who are struggling with cost of living at the moment. So what could be in store? Uh, we're joined by the Tonista, Leo Veradker. Uh, Tonista, you were talking yesterday about a record budget package. What can we expect come October? Well, um, it's not October yet, so I'm afraid you're going to have to wait until uh, the autumn to uh, know the details of the budget. You know that they're not agreed yet. They have to be negotiated over the next couple of weeks by by ministers. Um, but what I can say is that the focus obviously will be on alleviating the cost of living crisis for people. Um, everyone knows the extent to which prices have gone up, um, not just petrol and diesel. You can see it in your your utility bills. You can see it in your grocery bills. The, the price of everything is going up and very little is going down. And we've done a lot already. Um, a billion euro package, which kicked in in January. Um, pension increases, welfare increases, uh, increased minimum wage, reductions in income tax. Um, I remember around this time last year advocating for all of those things and being told by some people that I was being profligate. Now, I think most people acknowledge that we probably should have done a bit more. Uh, and obviously, we've had a 1.4 billion package since then. Uh, 9% VAT on gas and electricity, the lowest ever. Uh, diesel excise rates down as low as we were allowed to go. Um, petrol excise down as well, 200 euros off the bill. So a lot has been done, but we acknowledge that more needs to be done given the high cost of living. And um, that'll be the focus on uh, Budget Day. Uh, the good news is, is that the economy is in good nick. Um, the public finances are in good order. We record numbers of people at work, 2.5 million people at work in Ireland uh, today, um, rising incomes and um, record trade figures. So for all of those reasons, we have a, a lot of financial power um, and we want to use it. Um, but obviously, we don't want to be reckless in using it. And, you know, touching on that very significant investment today, uh, we'll be in Waterford Port in South Kilkenny, um, turning the sod on the new Glambia Royal Aware Kilkenny cheese plant. And that's um, an example of how our economy is doing 200 million euro investment 500 construction jobs 80 permanent jobs uh, and showing how our economy is pivoting uh, as a result of brexit uh, moving up the value chain and trading more with the european continent and it's exactly those kind of investments and developments that uh, fuel the economy and allow us to make um, positive decisions on budget day yeah really important uh, announcement today no no question about that i suppose in relation to the budget and obviously you're not going to reveal what's going to be in at this stage but how do you get the balance right between uh, helping those particularly at most at risk of fuel poverty I think we saw a figure last week from the ESRI is at 29% of people and that could rise up to 40% come come the ultimate risk of fuel poverty but also looking after the people I think you used the term again recently those people who get up early in the morning I think is the term you use the squeeze middle those who uh, are not getting uh, help from the state uh, have good jobs but but are, are kind of still struggling to make ends meet uh, come the end end of the month how do you get that balance right? Yeah well I, I think the right approach is the approach that we follow to date which are universal measures that benefit everyone um, including working families and middle income people and then very targeted measures that help those who are most in need for Cause, example cause sorry to cut uh, across it, increase. Sorry to cut across it, the ESRI would say you shouldn't go for uh, those kind of cross the board measures you should you should only go for targeted measures. Yeah, I, I, I think their analysis was a little bit more nuanced than that because they did say that the €200 Euro across the board cut off the electricity bills was a good idea. Um, they said it was a better idea than excise reductions, for example. But, you know, let's, let's the ESRI is a government body, as you know. Let's talk about it, another government body, the CSO, the Central Statistics Office. They came out with figures there just in early June, only a few weeks ago. 
And what they showed was that the lowest income families at the time were feeling an impact of inflation of 7.6%. For middle income families, it was 6.7%. And for high income families, it was 6.1%. So the difference in impact is, you know, Six, six or seven percent. It's the way some people are, are, are talking. You'd, you'd swear lower income households were being hit twice as hard, or three times as hard, or fifty percent as hard. That's actually not what the facts show. The facts show that everyone is feeling the squeeze, including working families and middle income people, but obviously those on the lowest incomes, um, pensioners, people on welfare. Um, they're the ones hit the most hard, so therefore they should get the most help. But. I don't think we should say to people um, going to work this morning or people who have um, middle incomes that um, you're grand, we're not going to help you just burn your savings if you have them. That's not right and that wouldn't be fair and that's not going to be my approach to the budget. Okay, Uh, I'm looking at a headline in the Irish Examiner, Irish cost of living now, the highest in the EU. We're up there with with Denmark as the most pricey country in the EU and anyone who's been to Denmark will tell you how expensive uh, that city is. Like, There'll be people listening this morning who'll say, yeah, look, the economy is going well if you look at all the economic indicators and, and, and you mentioned some of them already. But by God, we are an expensive uh, country. And it is, you know, you can have a good job and a good income, but we're paying a lot in tax and the cost of living is extremely high. Are you as a government doing enough to address that? And, and look, there's obviously a whole load of external factors, but there's a whole load of internal factors as well. Are you as a government doing enough to address those? Well, we have to do more. Um, Ireland is an expensive country to live in. Um, I think everyone knows that. You, you really feel that when you go abroad and, you know, you're in Mediterranean countries, for example, and you see how much easier or much lower the cost of living is there. But what is interesting about those figures, and I did look at them uh, in detail, you know, there are countries that are more expensive than us. Um, Norway, Switzerland, Iceland, for example, Denmark, Sweden, about the same. Um, the countries that are the least expensive to live in are Romania, Bulgaria and, and Turkey. Um, and the truth is there is a direct correlation between high living standards and high wages and the high cost of living. So, you know, the cost of living in Ireland is 30 or 40 percent above the EU average. So are our salaries. You know, so there, there is a correlation between northern European countries, high salaries, high cost of living and um, less well off countries where uh, the cost of living is lower. So, you know, it is important, I think, to have that context there. Um, but there are areas where... Um, the cost of living in Ireland is way out of kilter with the cost of living in other wealthy Northern European countries. And those are areas, for example, like childcare, um, very expensive in Ireland. Um, and often the people paying those high childcare fees are the same people paying the high rents and, and, and trying to save for, for a deposit or pay a mortgage. So that's an area we want to focus on the budget. We've done some stuff already, need to do a lot more there. Um, out-of-pocket healthcare expenses, again, We've done uh, important things on that in recent years as well, um, but need to do more. And, uh, of course, things like the cost of education, cost of putting a kid through college, uh, and, of course, the cost of housing. So they're the areas where, even when you compare us with um, other wealthy Northern European countries, um, we're still too expensive. And I think they're the kind of areas we can make a decent dent in, uh, in this government, or certainly in this budget, and then across the course of this government. Okay. Um one area you don't have a huge amount of control over is the cost of energy. Are, are you worried that we could be looking at energy rationing come the winter? I, I don't believe so. Um, you know, there's only that would only arise, I think, where attempts were made at price controls, and you know, they never work. Uh, when you bring in price caps, you either have to increase them all the time, um, which defeats the whole purpose, or you end up kind of rationing uh, energy because there's a limit on supply, because uh, the people who bring the fuel um, into the country just can't bring it in at the cost you've capped it at. So I I think that's highly unlikely to happen. 
but you can never rule it out. We do have reserves, by the way. We have about 90 days worth of reserves um, for petrol and diesel and have reserves uh, on gas as well. Um, and despite the fact that we've now experienced a pandemic, um, Brexit and a war in Ukraine, we have never really had a serious issue with supply. So I think it would be strange if that were to suddenly happen across the winter, but mm. um, you can never be... 100% sure and that's why we do have, have those reserves uh, if we need them Now we were talking about the squeezed middle a, a little bit earlier, one group that definitely doesn't come into that category is the uh, the top earning public uh, servants who uh, are on salaries of 150,000 uh, plus, not a huge number of them but 4,000 of them all the same, uh, they are going to get, we, we learned from the today's papers pay rises of up to 15% how Tonista is that justifiable uh, a pay rise of 15% for those who are already earning very very large salaries well simply because they're they're not pay rises um you'll remember back uh during austerity during the recession um the pay of all public servants was cut and cut very deeply uh in the case of some people uh we started reversing that in 2014 um for almost all public servants now uh, those pay cuts have been fully reversed uh, and in many cases they're uh, actually earning salaries above um where, where they would have been before the FMB pay cuts, cuts kicked in mm. this is the very last group they they are almost all hospital consultants by the way about 90% of them are consultants they're scoliosis surgeons and emergency medicine doctors and um obstetricians who do cesarean sections in, in the middle of the night um uh, they're the last group to have their pay cut reversed, um, and we we passed a, a law in the doll in 2017 saying that we would reverse the pay cuts for everyone, and that was supported by Sinn Féin, Labour, uh, all of the government parties. So um, um, I understand why the optics of it mightn't be good, but I think when people understand the facts, they'll understand why it's being done. And you can't turn around to um, you know an emergency medicine doctor or, or a brain surgeon or a scoliosis surgeon or a child psychiatrist and say, well, you know, we've reversed everyone else's pay cut, but, you know, sorry, we're not doing it for you because you're, because did, you're did, a, did you a look doctor. at doing I don't it? think that would be right. Did the government look at doing that? Did you look at... at we at, did, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not, not saying it would have been the right thing to do, but we, we did examine all our options and the advice from the Attorney General was absolutely clear um, that you'd have to go into court and defend why you were singling out this group of people, um, mainly doctors, mainly hospital consultants, and saying that... Um, every other public servant, uh, the people in the passport office, the people working for the local authority, uh, the school principal, um, the guard inspector, you'd have to explain why they should have their pay cut reversed and why consultants, um, why that spinal surgeon uh, should be singled out. Yeah. Or, or and, a judge. Uh, it would be a very I mean, it's weak not case. Ju- It's not just yeah. consultants, there are other it's, groups. It's 90%, 90% hospital consultants and then, uh, or 90% consultants, there wouldn't all be hospital consultants, but 90% doctors and then about 10% then uh, are judges and uh, CEOs of state agencies and so on. You, you so have you'd, you'd even have a harder argument trying to say why you'd pick out an even smaller group and well, then, true. Uh, and uh, okay so you had to do it are, are you comfortable doing it I, I think what happened during the recession was people had their pay cut um, I wasn't comfortable about that having to be done um, that's no longer necessary uh, it's now being fully reversed and the next step now is to go on and negotiate a new pay deal with public servants because you know public servants get a bad 
time sometimes, but by and large, they're the teachers in their schools, the SNAs, the Gardaí, the nurses, the healthcare assistants, um, and uh, they do deserve a pay rise in my view. Um, we're trying to negotiate that at the moment. The agreement as it stands um, gives them about 2 or 3% this year plus increments. That's well below inflation, which is hitting, hitting now 8%, and we'd like to agree a pay deal with them uh, for this year and next, which would ensure that public services continue to function, uh, hopefully improve some efficiencies there as well uh, because a lot of backlogs uh, in the public service system at the moment we want them dealt with Um, and in return for that um, be in a position where we can uh, give people pay increases that that help them meet meet the cost of living Uh, Two last very quick questions uh, Tawnis before I let you go the row you had with Pierce Doherty in the Dáil last week did that reflect well on politics do you think? I think it probably didn't, Shane, quite frankly, but, um, you know, I, I won't go through the detail of it, but in, in my mind it was very much self-defence. Um, uh, Sinn Féin, whether it's their supporters um, online or their supporters on the streets or their politicians in the Dáil, um, are, are constantly trying to um, attack us personally and bully us and do us down on the government benches. And every now and then I think you have to stand up to bullies. You, you believe Sinn Féin are bullies? I think um, the way they try to um, demonise uh, their political opponents, you know, sort of make out that they care about people more than us. Um, you know, you don't get it um, attacking us personally like it started off. Let's not forget because um, Pierce Doherty alleged that I, my party was out of touch because I'd staken chips with Jimmy Dean in, in the uh, in the uh, members' restaurant the night before. No public money involved yet they can go on their exotic okay. uh, fundraising trips around the world and drink champagne and they're totally uh, down with normal people. You okay. know? So when you have to listen to that kind of stuff day in, day out, I think even for your own mental health, every now and then you have to snap back. Okay. Uh, just before I uh, let you go, uh, Dublin Pride uh, kicking off t- uh, today. Yes, so yeah, so well, it's kicking off all week, um, and on Saturday, obviously, we'll have the uh, parade in March, uh, first time in three years. So I think everyone in the community is um, really looking forward to it. Um, it is a celebration, of course, of diversity and uh, openness, but also a protest, reminding us that there is still much to be done uh, to achieve equality for LGBT people in Ireland and then particularly around the world. You know, about thirty countries like us have marriage equality in seventy countries. Um, being gay is still criminalised, uh, so. Um, going to be a great march going to be a great celebration going to be a protest too and happy pride OK you'll be there I presume uh, I will yeah yeah. unless it's, unless it's raining very badly but um, <laughs> the forecast looks OK so I'll be around anyway OK uh, Thomas thanks, thanks indeed for talking thanks to us this morning News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman in association with AIR weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk